Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. Welcome to the Big East Rewind. Today we have a phenomenal show for you. We are going back to 1987 and the Final Four championship game with two Hall of Fame coaches one trying to get his first national title, the other getting his potentially third, and the two people involved in the last play of the game, Keith Smart from Indiana and Howard Trish from the University of Syracuse. Join us for this show and learn about how they got where they got and all the fun they had along the way. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. I am your host, Chuck Everson, and of course, with me is the man that wears Michael Jordan's number, and has Dr. J's nickname, the <laughs> sensational doctor, Sonny Sparrow. How are you, Sonny? Chuck, I'm great, man. I'm looking forward. This will be a fun episode. Son, this is going to be fun. I, I hope, um, you know, as an alum, I, I'm not looking to rub salt in any wounds, but we're just trying to expand our horizons a little bit and, you know, include uh, other teams from, from other conferences with us, in this case, the Big Ten. Uh, and yeah. Indiana, and we're going to talk about that great championship game. It was And it was a great game. And then un unfortunately, like our game in 85, uh, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. But those were two of the best games probably mm -hmm. in the 80s for sure when, that I've seen, uh, you know, watching the game. So let's get down to it. Why don't you introduce our first uh, guest, pal? Be happy to. This is a good one of my best friends. So this is a good friend of mine from the – he was the co-captain of the 87 team. He uh, was a fellow chemistry major at Syracuse. He was the one recruit that I actually got to sign <laughs> at Syracuse. We talked about all the recruits. One I for lost. four is not bad, Sonny. That's <laughs> it. Was, he was the one guy we got. We lost Billis. We lost Everson. We lost Jensen. We got Howard. So uh, from Corcoran High School in Syracuse, he was a local guy. And he did, he had a fantastic career. And then he went on to, and he worked for Anheuser-Busch Stella Artois for years and recently retired, but he's my man. Howard, welcome, buddy. How are you? How are you, Trish? <laughs> great great How introduction. You doing, Thanks, buddy? Sonny. You I got it. it. You got it, Howard. Oh, That's fun. Man. I'm glad I got you on. I can talk to you. <laughs> and, and also with yeah, us today. I, I told my memory is short, but I, I'll do what I can and uh, recall. It was, it's a great time. It's just a, it's amazing how over the years that one game is, is still in the forefront of a lot of minds. Yep. Yeah, that's a great game. Also with us today is the MVP from that tournament. Um, he played and coached for numerous NBA teams throughout his career, played over in Europe, and he's currently an assistant coach at the University of Arkansas, best known for making that shot at the end. Keith Smart is with us. How are you, Keith? You're doing great, man. Thank you for having me and um, and, and being on your show. And then, Howard, good seeing you, man. Haven't seen yep. you in a long time. And, yeah, uh, but, uh, but you know, exciting, man, uh, to get this opportunity to uh, to share our thoughts and plans of us playing that, in that great tournament. Chuck, yeah, both of you guys look like they could still play. They both look like they I know. Unlike us, Sonny. There's no Killing gray me. hair on anybody. Out, you know, Killing a little me. bit in the where's, beard, Keith, but not as bad guys? as Sonny and I. You know, this was my, my COVID, you know, not using the word, but my COVID beard. So I'll probably cut it off a little bit here. And the one thing you always say is uh, we look like we can play. <laughs> but, uh, but but can we get out there and run around? That's not the, that's yeah, not the case. We all know better. I know. So. Right. Right. Listen, the game, you know, in, in doing our due diligence, guys, we, we got to Sonny and I watched the game again. Uh, I watched it yesterday and today and, and Sonny watched it. I, I tell you what, the game was back and forth, back and forth. It really was a good game. And it was, you know, it, it went literally like uh, right down to the end. And, and we'll get into that. But before we do, I want to hear about you guys. Tell us, you know, how would you first tell us how you got to Syracuse? What was your path from high school? Uh, up to the carrier dome um if i can recall it came down to uh three or four schools st john's 
Texas A&M, uh, of course, Syracuse, and um, kind of weeded out St. John's because they didn't have uh, the program that I wanted. And Texas A&M, they wanted me to play point guard. But Coach Behan told me there's no way I could play point guard. <laughs> so I guess I believed him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Syracuse is always in the, in the back um, or in the forefront, but primarily in the back of my, I was trying to weed out Syracuse, but I couldn't. And uh, it ended up being the, the, the best school for me at the time. So, uh, and I uh, enjoyed, enjoyed every moment. Yeah, that's a great place. I, as Sonny alluded to at the beginning, I, I took a visit there myself. I, I love the campus there. It's, you know, if you like that big uh, feel for a campus, big college town type thing, you know, yeah, where was, you're, you're the only, you guys home, are the only, like a home away from home. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys you know, were like Syracuse the only show in town hill. up there, right? Yeah. Syracuse oh. is kind of up on a hill isolated. So, you know, it's, uh, and I, I, I kind of really went home. Uh, there was so much going on up at the university. So, Howard, he loved it so much. I still couldn't get him there, man. So that's, that's don't, don't believe everything he tells you. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you know, Sonny, I think you, we've been hanging around a little too much. I think lately you're starting to know all the tricks. Uh, so Keith, how about you? You went to Juco route, right? To get to Indiana. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Hey, hey Howard in today's NBA, that's six, seven, six, eight point guard. You would have been perfect right now. You know? <laughs> You've been perfect, my man. Um, but you I had to freeze in time, though. Exactly, man. You know, go cry, old man. Put you away for a couple of years. Um, but you know, I, I my journey was uh, was a little bit different. I joke with some of the college kids now that I'm around. You know, we always talk about the stars: five star, four star, whatever star you are. And I said, well, what star you guys think I was? You know, playing. I would say, look at the school that I went to. Say, coach, you might have been a four star. You might have been a four star. I said, no, I was, a, I had zero stars. I was no star. And then I said, but I was a McDonald's All-American. And he said, well, how can you be a McDonald's All-American and you didn't have a star? I said, because I worked at a McDonald's. And so I was a true <laughs> McDonald's All-American, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I, I played basketball up to my, uh, in high school to my uh, JV year, my 10th grade year. And then I tried out for the basketball team my, my junior year, the senior team. We had a great team. Uh, I got cut from the team that year, my junior year. And they went on to win state championship, McKinley High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I went into my sophomore year. I was five foot six and, uh, and I hit a growth spurt, you know, then I went to five foot nine, you know, <laughs> and then my junior year. And then I came out for my, my, uh, my senior year to, to uh, compete and play. And uh, I made the team, but then my third game in the season, I broke my wrist, uh, dove into a bunch of chairs and broke my wrist. And so my high school career was pretty much over. Uh, I, got a I got a motorcycle for graduation and healed up with the wrist. Uh, the coach there was trying to get me in school at William Penn uh, to go to school. He knew the coach, one of the coaches there was trying to get me to go to school there. Well, I fell off the motorcycle, broke my wrist again. Wow. So that's the second time. And same wrist. Same wrist, the same left wrist. And then eventually uh, my best friend was going to Garden City Community College. And he said, hey, man, why don't you come go to school here? So I just went to school out there, uh, not playing basketball. And um, once I healed up, I went there at the uh, January semester break. And they had an open tryout at the end of the year. Uh, had a bunch of the football players and some, some uh, baseball players. They were going to try out for the basketball team. And I tried out and played pretty well in that tryout game. And uh, they offered me a scholarship at Garden City Community College next year. Came back, started playing uh, my freshman year, played pretty well out there, and eventually got recruited by Indiana and other schools as well. That's how That was my story, how I got there. Now, Indiana was not known for recruiting JUCOs, just like Syracuse wasn't either. And in my class, Chris Lewis was a junior college kid from uh, Pensacola. And I, mm -hmm. I remember that because that was unusual for Syracuse to bring a guy in. Mm -hmm. And that was really unusual for Coach Knight. So just talk about how that worked. Yeah, well, uh, Courtney Whitty, who also was a uh, played there, was kind of went to Vincennes, was the first uh, JC recruit that he brought yeah. there. And then after that, uh, the two guys, Andre uh, Harris and Todd Jadlow, 
uh, they were playing in the conference I was in, Barton County Community College. Mm -hmm. Unbeknown to me, um, we played them that night, and uh, Joby Wright, the assistant coach, was at that game. I didn't know that he was there watching those guys, but I happened to have a good game that night, and I started getting recruited after that. You know, so the, the, the concept was we lost one of those kids, Andre Harris lost, went, uh, you know, didn't make it in, in school, and so he was uh, dismissed from the team. And so now the recruiting part of another JC player, myself, uh, but I qualified out of high school also. So I was able to go, if that was a case, could go there. And they felt that I would be able to handle the workload as well as play. So that's kind of how the story went in. So I felt the pressure when I got there that myself and then Dean Garrett, you know, had to now make sure we do the right things based on mm -hmm. what had happened before. What what was it about Indiana and Coach Knight? Because I know I'm going to ask you a couple of Coach Knight questions. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So what was um, what was the attraction? What was what was what was the selling point, in Indiana? I tell you, man, Indiana was out of school that I was going to go to, because um, yeah, I uh, I'm from Baton Rouge. LSU played uh, Indiana in eighty in the Final Four in mm -hmm. eighty one, and I saw what happened with Coach Knight and Isaiah Thomas. You know, kind of gave a little a little brush, you know, check screen, you know, and I just said, you know what, I, I, there's no way I can go there, you know, because I followed him there. And so when I got my first letter from Indiana, I threw it right in the trash can. I just said, there's no way I'm going to go to school there. But over time, you know, they started recruiting me. Then Coach Knight came out to see me in Garden City, Kansas. Larry Brown at Indiana, excuse me, at, uh, at uh, Kansas, was coaching at Kansas at the time. And, um, and they recruited me. Then Nolan Richardson here at Arkansas recruited me. And I really was going to come to Arkansas, you know, because I had fell in love with Sidney Moncrief on the cover that Sports Illustrated with that yeah. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and so I started to, you know, pay attention to him. Then after him, Daryl Walker, and then you had uh, uh, Alvin Robinson. And I played with Alvin at San Antonio. So that three, that trio were, were my guys, you know, defensively, how to get after people. Uh, so I wanted to come to Arkansas. But Arkansas brought me in on a Tuesday for my visit. So I was going to be that Tuesday and Wednesday. Indiana brought me on the weekend. So I went from Arkansas to Indiana. They were trying to get it flipped so that I can come in and see a game. And obviously when I came in on a two day visit, you know, I didn't, you know, kind of share the, the university, you know, where they play and things like that. And, um, and then I went to the visit Indiana. Then I saw the whole environment, the game, uh, everything that took place there. And um, when I finished that visit, that's when I made a decision to go there. Yeah. How about you, Howard? Talk, talk to us about, you know, what, what attracted you to Syracuse and, and coach Beheim? Oh, interesting. You know, like I said at the beginning, um, I was trying to go away from home. Yeah. And, uh, well, I had, I had relatives in, uh, near college station at Texas A&M. So I ended up going out and taking a visit there and really liked it there, but there were some big issues with, Shelby Metcalf, I think at the time, he was the uh, basketball coach or, uh, and the AD was having uh, some issues. So um, I actually verbally committed to them. And uh, wow. uh, when that, when that actually happened, I kind of moved away from that um, and uh, started looking at, you know, St. John's and Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse was actually always, you know, in my back pocket, um, everybody, all the other schools, again, I was just trying to weed out and, um, I knew Syracuse was always, always there, but I always wanted to go away from home. I, you know, it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, you've been in Syracuse all your life and, you know, you want to get out and, and see some other parts of the country. Uh, but it's out that, you know, Syracuse was the best spot at the time for me. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, things just sort of work out, uh, the way that they do similar to what Keith mentioned, uh, that, um, you know, you don't, <laughs> sometimes you don't, you look at a school and, uh, you're like, no, I don't, you know, really want to go there, but then it turns out to be the best spot mm -hmm. for That's you. Uh, someone hired and you know where you should be going. So. It, it, it turned out that that Syracuse was that spot for me. Uh, even, you know, a couple of years into going, I was going to transfer. Um, I think it was going to be John Kuster was at 
George Washington, and right. they recruited me with um, uh, at BU during during the time I went because Patino was the coach there, mm -hmm. and, but Patino had left, and uh, um, and uh, I thought I was going to actually transfer there, but then I was going to um, I think Syracuse was going overseas to Greece and Germany and a couple other places to play. And uh, when I was talking to Custer, he said, hey, why don't you just, you go ahead and then you can decide when you come back. I said, well, we won't get back until after school has started. So that kind of put a wrench in, in the transferring. And I had a great uh, time and great, great play under coach. Uh, I think we both built confidence and in my game at the, at the time and, and playing with the continuity uh, with the other players as well. And then I came back my junior year and I started. So um, it's weird the way things kind of work out over time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. someone's always looking out for it. It seems like someone's looking out for me yeah. uh, above. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of you guys played in very, very challenging and difficult conferences. You know, the Big East, as we know from playing there with you the same time you were playing, Howard, was very physical, very rough and tumble. You know, the fights would break out all the time. The Big Ten also was, was a very tough conference. Talk about how playing in your particular conferences, guys, how that prepared you for your NCAA run in 87. You first, Keith. Okay. Yeah. I, I think when I was getting ready to make that decision to come here, you know, one of the, you know, as they do what I hear called now the negative recruiting of the school that you may be going to uh, one of the coaches said, you know, you're too small. You get beaten up in that conference. Um, those guys are big, they're bruisers. You know, you'll, you'll get beaten up. And I'm thinking, okay, so you, you don't think I can play in that conference, but you're recruited me you know was that saying you know yeah. um so I, I i when i was getting ready to go there i wanted to know who were the best guards at that time it was you know gary grant dennis hobson uh guys like that and i said okay that, those are my guys i got to pay attention to you know that granted we didn't have the social media stuff like we have now where i can right. get online and go look up a guy and, and stuff like that but i just had those names and uh and so from there um i started to you know started to figure some things out, started to get some tape, a little bit of tape on, on the conference or the schools in the conference, particularly Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, my, my coach in college got some, came across some tapes and was able to share that with me. And I saw those things. And when I got in it, I, I saw, even when I got to Indiana, I saw the, these big, huge guys. And I never forget when I got to Indiana for the first time. And, you know, cause again, no social media. So I don't really know what Steve Alford really looks like, right. you know? I mean, I know what he looks like, but I don't know what he looks like. And half the other guys that were there. And so when I got there on campus and we started to play pickup ball, I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, that's the old American, Steve Alford? <laughs> that guy right there? Yeah, and this guy averaged 44 points out of uh, California, Joe Hillman. And so I'm looking at these guys, you know? Then of course I saw the big Daryl Thomas and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Todd Meyer, a big senior, and Magnus Pelkowski. So now we're on the floor playing just simple pickup basketball. But yet, Indiana still ran the motion offense and the picks and everything like that. So I'm trying to guard Alford, and I'm getting screened left and right. Uh, and these guys are getting him open. You know, plus they knew how to read him on screens, things that I learned to do. You know, he, I would chase him off the screen thinking he's going to pop back. And next thing you know, he curls it. They throw the pass right to him. I'm right. on the wing playing and guarding him. And next thing you know, I get a back screen. He gets a backdoor layup. I, I go over the screen. He fades to the corner for a jump shot. So all those little things there, even just in that little pickup game, um, it started to open my eyes to how they played in the Big Ten, in particular how Indiana played. But that's when I saw the big, bigger bodies of players uh, much bigger than what I had seen. And now I'm playing against those guys from that physical standpoint. Uh, plus you have some pretty fantastic guards in that league at that time as well. How about you, Howard? Same question. Yeah. Um, I guess I, you know, I, I came up playing football. Mm -hmm. um, all the way through. And you continued that in the big East sometimes yeah. too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
going uh, up to my sophomore year and I stopped. I, and I, I wanted to be a tight end. I thought I was pretty good. I, uh, nothing more but a buck 90, but um, I enjoyed playing football. So, uh, you know, during the, during my time at, at Syracuse, I loved diving on the floor. Mm-hmm. That was like recovering a fumble. But, you know, I, when I dive, I dive at the player, not necessarily at the ball. That's how you block them off. So, you know, I, I was used to a lot of contact uh, going up. But, um, you know, basketball is supposed to be a non-contact sport, but not in the 80s, not in the Big East, uh, and not in, not at that time during basketball. <laughs> and there today, man, I, you know, you, you laugh at some of the calls and some of, some of the play. But uh, during, that, during that time, it was, you know, par for the course to be physical. Um, and, you know, I, I was used to the contact from, from being around football and, and so forth. So uh, that was all part of my game is to be able to, uh, you know, bring up your elbow and, and stop, stop cuts and, and so forth. Um, I think they nicknamed me the hammer. <laughs> at Syracuse <laughs> I didn't always pick up charges but I stopped, you stopped. I stopped. <laughs> individuals yeah. coming through uh, uh, so you know I, I think going into it I, I you know maybe coach saw that mentality in me but um, I was pretty much quiet person so uh, it wasn't real vocal but um, I enjoyed playing defense I enjoyed uh, the physical contact so mm-hmm. You guys both played for Hall of Fame coaches, right? Both guys who have reputations almost bigger than themselves, right? So in going in, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you, Howard. So when you went in and, and knowing what, well, because you're in the community, so you're hearing all the things about Coach B. You know, talk about how your relationship with Coach Beheim or, or what you found Coach Beheim to be like when you got there. Um, I think I think I. You know, first of all, I think uh, uh, Bernie was, you know, pretty much recruited me and so forth. So I re- the Bernie was more so the face that I saw at, at Syracuse for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I know Coach was reserved, um, but, you know, when he spoke, you listened. Um, he's, you know, very intelligent. He, he knows the different players. He knows what to get, how to get things out of the players. Um, you know, he's fair, but, you know, he, he knows how to, when to yell at certain players, when not to, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he has his coaching craft down, um, pretty well, you know, he's not, he's not your friend, but if you need anything, he's there, uh, for you. Um, and I always respected that and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, speak very highly on that. And from a charitable standpoint, you know, he taught, he taught us, uh, you know, I came from a family of, of you know, tradition and <clears throat> being and uh, working with, uh, with the public and, uh, you know, trying to be as charitable as possible. And, and he just sort of emphasized that even more. So that made me a better person, better person in the community and an ambassador as well. So, um, uh, and, and, and I think that kind of transition into, into the person that, that I'm in today, um, as far as basketball for coach, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great mind and, and great, uh, but, you know, you, you, I think he relies on the assistants to do a lot of the, a lot of the teaching, you know, mm-hmm. in practice and so forth, at least at that particular time. But, mm-hmm. you know, he knows when things are going well and, and not, and, and he mm-hmm. picks it apart pretty well. So Keith, talk about yourself now, because you did mention already Coach Knight had a little brush with Isaiah. So mm-hmm. you now are at camp, on campus, right? And <laughs> what, what what's some of your interactions? Some thoughts you want to share? Some stories? Just just share a little bit of your time with uh, yeah. Coach. You, you know, just like like Howard said, you know, when you're playing for these guys, their minds are ten blocks to twenty blocks down the road. You know, they see things, an angle of a screen, a, a, a setup for a cut to give the illusion. You know, we ran a motion offense. So to give an illusion of where the ball, uh, you know, where a defender may react to, you know, little things like that. Like I'm trying to get to the rim, but I'm going to attack an opposite shoulder. You know, anytime I'm trying to do things like that, you know, so 
I never forget, uh, I played, I made the uh, Jones Cup national team. We played over in Taipei, Taiwan, and uh, before I went to Indiana. And I come to campus, I get dropped off at my dorm uh, once that, that was over in the summer. And the guy said, well, hey, um, we're going to start playing some ball at about 5.30. I had a note on my door. At 5.30, we're going to start playing some pickup basketball. So I had not been on campus since my visit. No one told me where the building I was going to. So I uh, literally get out. I say, well, I'm going to be early. So I'm going to get out and start walking to try and find this place. So the dorms in the, in the summertime, you know, all the students are gone. You got to move out of your primary dorm residence and move to another place. And so this place was completely different where I had no idea where it was. But they just assumed I knew or maybe thought that someone would get that information to me. So I started my walk. I'm walking all over this campus. I have, I mean, I'm so far from where we, I'm supposed to be. Of course, I don't want to stop and ask someone because I got on all Indiana basketball practice gear on. I don't want to stop and say, hey, can you tell me where the gym is? You know, you're a basketball player. You don't even know where the damn gym is, you know? So I'm walking and walking and finally I get over to, I make it over there. I've been walking in, in the summertime in Bloomington, Indiana, burning up, uh, dehydrated pretty much. Just came back from overseas and I get there, start to play with those guys, have no lift, no, I can't run, I can't jump, I'm cramping up. And they looked at me like, what in the world is this, you know, that, that showed up here, it's supposed to be this good player. And then as we transitioned from that moment and then eventually got to practice with coach and started to go through it, high intensity, how, how things went, he's going to get on you about every little detail. And I had a thing with me. Whenever I make, you know, make a mistake, um, I would say my bad or my fault. And so when I made a mistake, turned the ball over, I said, my bad, man, my bad, my fault. And coach just said, listen, if I hear you say my fault one more time, I'm going to run you on those stairs, the stadium stairs, until you fall out. What did I say right there? My bad, coach. <laughs> <laughs> and right away, man, I'm running the stairs. I'm up and down. I, even when I went back, because my, my in-laws live in Bloomington. So even when I went back, I'm looking at these stairs. And you probably the same way, Howard. I'm looking at these stadium stairs. And I'm like, I used to run these things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm looking at them now like I would surely have a heart attack on these things. But, uh, but I'm running the stairs. As soon as I come down, I get right into um, – zigzags and I was zigzags full court hard chest on the ball uh right into that for five minutes coach always had like some professors or some other uh, uh members of, of, of uh, the university would come and watch a practice <clears throat> he would leave the floor go up into the stands this could be going on for about five minutes and now here we are still doing zigzags the whole time you know then jump right back into the regular practice uh so little things like that um you know I had a class, a geology class that had 400 students in there, big lecture hall. And so I'm sitting in my class one day and so, someone comes in, brings a note to the professor, Professor Drosky. And he reads the note, looks at it, and he goes, uh, is Keith Smart in class today? I waved my hand, yes, I'm here. And he said, Coach Knight says, and I guess on the paper, Everything was like in bold lettering that he wanted him to speak out loud to it, right? So he goes, Coach Knight says, you get to the gym as soon as your last class is over today. Now, I had three other classes to go to after that. That was my fourth class for the day. I'm thinking the whole time, what did I do? What <laughs> right. went on? What I, Assignments, homework. Uh, I haven't missed a class this week. What's going on? So I go to the next class, I'm still thinking about, I have no idea what the professor is saying. I'm thinking about coach, what's going on. Finally, I get uh, over to the uh, uh, practice facility and I walk into his office and he just sat on his desk, sat at his desk and looked at me and said, uh, you get my note? I said, yes, I got your note. You know, I wanted to say to myself, why do you think I'm here this early? I wouldn't be over here right now, but I didn't get your right. note, you know? And I said, yeah, I got your note. He goes, I just want you to know, I'm always paying attention to where you are and what you're doing, <laughs> you know? So you kind of had that fear factor of, of coach from that standpoint, you know, other than running, you know, we had to, we did this drill where coach would be in the, at the center court and you talk about, how are you talking about diving for loose balls? Yep, we split the teams up and we're on free throw line, 
free throw line and he rolls the ball out and it's an all out slippery slide diving on the floor to get to that loose ball. I'm sure a lot of us had concussions back then because there were some collisions at half court trying to get to that loose ball. Oh, yeah, well, we we did that similar stuff at, at Nova with uh, with Massimino. They they kind of came from the same school. They were world class yellers, as was right. Coach B. Yeah. World class, you know. World and class. you know, I mean, listen, you're coaching now, Keith, and yeah. and you're involved with student athletes and stuff. How much would he have to change his style in order to coach in today's game? Between social media and and the yelling and screaming, I mean, mm-hmm. how much do you think he would have to change? Because I've seen I've seen Roley right up to the end of his life. He was coaching um, mm-hmm. down at an NAIA place in in, uh, in West Palm called Kaiser University, and he softened a little bit in the way he talked. But once he got on the floor, it was business as usual. But he did. He did change his approach a little bit. How how much do you think Coach Knight would have to change? And do you think he could do it in this environment that we're in but now? I think a lot of a lot of a lot of the coaches that coached that way, we all came along. Uh, we just thought that's how it was. I, you know, the you know the real strong presence of a coach. You did it hard this way. We just figured that's how it was. Today, you really have to, especially now with the transfer portal. You know, yeah. today you really have to. Um, um, you know, you coach them hard, but then you got to hug them, you know, and I always use the analogy now coaching uh, uh, with a spoon that has both sugar and salt on it. Both of them are, are white. Today, the salt may be first, but the sugar has to come behind. Or if I got sugar and I'm coaching him trying to, you know, mentally connect there, but then I got to bring a little salt at the end because the kids, and they didn't grow up how we grew up. You know, they didn't work hard or do things. They working hard. I think now today, a lot of the young men, uh, they love to play. When we played, we had to compete. And that was the biggest difference, you know? So, you know, I, I made a statement today with some of our guys. I said, you know, if the coach says, I'm gonna have this rotation of nine players, we, you, all of us on here would be thinking, I gotta figure out who that number nine guy is if I'm not in that rotation. Right. I gotta outplay this guy. You know, and so I shared that with them and they said, uh, I said, so who are the, who, who's the guy that you're chasing? Who are you going to compete with today so that he can't catch the ball or he can't dribble the ball by you? Are you going to compete with this guy? A lot of them will think because they play so much AAU, they play so many games that a game doesn't have that much meaning anymore. You know, they'll get and compete and win the game when it's close. But you, you went, my, I have two sons and both of them play ball and both played AAU. And it was so many games, you know, so that competitive yeah. nature is not there. So coach would have to adjust to all of that. Of course, now you got to talk to the parents. Each player has a, a, a workout person, you know, uh, you know, have uh, the parents you're talking to, the workout person or handler. You know, you have so many people that you need to talk to with a player when you're trying to get that player to come to your university. Um, so he would have to adjust to all of that. And could he adjust to that? Um, that 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 age group of coaches that coached back in our day, it might be really hard to for them because you, you you can't change the nature that fast of how the fast this thing here has changed. You know, I use the analogy. My sons, I said, well, my oldest son probably couldn't have played for coach. Uh, my youngest son uh, could have done it. You know, and you had to look at that balance that you would have there. Yeah, it's all in the makeup of the kid, right? To some degree. I mean, you know, how much can you take and you know, without, without having to take a mental break or what anything like that. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't even uh, talked about back in the, in the eighties right. when we played, forget about it at that point. But I, pl- I played a game, I played a game, we played at a game and coach thought I didn't play a good enough defense. Right. And so he said, okay, I, are we coming to the locker room? Everyone's starting to take their, their clothing off and cut their tape and everything. And he said, no, no, Keith, you keep yourself on. I want you to go over to the field house and you're going to work on defensive slides. So I had my game uniform on, my shoes, and went over there and worked on defensive slide with two of the assistant coaches for a period of time, you know. So little things like that, uh, today's kid, you know, that's just not going to happen like that. Yeah, interesting. So let, let's jump into the NCAA tournament. You know, in, in 1987, Howard, you guys were a number two seed, right? Take, right. Us, on, take us on that path to get to, to get to the final four. Take us on that, on that path on, on how – Talk about those succession of games that you guys played to get to the final four. Oh man, now you're really testing my memory. 
I remember That's what we do. <laughs> um, uh, Western Kentucky was interesting. A lot of their players usually came up in, in the summer and played with us at Syracuse. So it was funny that we were, I was a little bit familiar with some of the players when we, when we played them. And I, I believe that was our first game. Um, and, uh, and it was actually at Syracuse. That was the amazing part is that we were one of the regional places and they put us there in Syracuse. So uh, we were, you know, we had home court advance the first couple of games and uh, uh, the time. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the next one after that, I, I remember Florida and uh, Schnitz is big kid. He was about seven and uh, Vernon Maxwell, mm. man, <laughs> you, would, you and him, man, I, you guys would have a foot race. You would. <laughs> you would be a close, you that would be a good race right there. Man, Bernie was fast and, and quick, man. That was one of the toughest guys that I had to ever guard. You know, I, when guys are, you know, that fast, I always try to deny the ball. So I don't want them to get the ball because right. uh, I know I wouldn't be able to keep up with them. And uh, I remember that Florida game. I had a pretty good game. But they, actually, I heard from the coach, the assistant coach years later, and he said, well, we didn't anticipate you playing that well. And uh, it was actually the difference in, in that particular game. Citrus talked a lot of smack that game. And, and Ronnie read that in the newspaper because Ronnie would read anything in the newspaper. And he would, you know, he would feel he bad. He would get frustrated. He, you know, anything in the paper, he would read it and it would, it would throw him off. But in this case, it fired him up. So, uh, and he had, he, he played well that game. And uh, so we, we, you know, we got bad last uh, uh florida and i think uh was north carolina after that that i that recall yeah. that was a, yeah that was a tough game to get us into the uh mm -hmm. final four and uh uh i can't even remember where the game was but um uh that was uh that was a tough one uh, yeah they're they're always tough i mean that's that's been their tradition uh yeah. since way back when i mean yeah you know, kenny smith mm -hmm, uh sure to the point and uh i just remember being sick as dog at that game i had cold or fun i could barely breathe i was trying to come out the game coach wouldn't take me out the game um it was just one of those games that you know you just struggle through and uh we played well in it and uh, they got us to the to the final four uh where we met one of our other big east uh foes um uh, Providence, and oh, we yeah. had, yeah, we, we Rick Pitino was the coach, coach yeah. at the time, um, and then, you know, they had, they had the sharpshooter, Billy Donovan. Billy, yeah. <laughs> Del Ray Brooks. Yeah, Del Ray Brooks. don't look, don't look like a basketball player, but he can play. He was quick, smart, yeah. um, and, uh, but we had their number that year. I think we beat them two, two or three times before that, and, uh, mm -hmm. um, I think we we knew their game pretty well and and scouting and so forth. So um, we got past them with uh, uh, not a lot. You know, it was it wasn't really tight, but uh, I, uh, we got past them. And then, uh, as I recall, we couldn't decide who we wanted to win. I think I don't know if it was UNLV that Indiana played. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Prior to that. Uh, but we couldn't figure out which team that <clears throat> that we wanted to win. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Indiana, they won that. And uh, going into that, we knew – we thought we had a pretty good matchup going yeah. into that. Well, yeah, you guys you guys were there, and now, and now you take on the winner of that game. Yeah. So talk So talk about that, Keith. You know, you, you guys were the one seed uh, entering the tournament for your bracket. And here's a kid from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You got to play LSU right. in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four, which is in New Orleans. Right. That that had to be incredible. You know, you had to, that had to jack you up and get you juiced up for that, right? Yeah, no, you, you you're right. Uh, at the beginning of the year, because Indiana had lost to Cleveland State the year before in the first round, first uh, right. first round, got knocked out. And we came into that season, Coach, when we got ready to get started with the season, Coach came in and said to uh, Daryl Thomas, uh, uh, Steve, Steve Alford, and Todd Meyer, three seniors. 
And he said, you know, you guys are going to be uh, the first group of seniors to graduate from here and not have won a Big Ten championship. So when all of us start coming back here for events to meet and we meet, we had a thing, big, big room called the Ironman Lounge. So when athletes came back for the uh, for a game or something like that, they all had this this little area that they would meet in and uh, called the Ironman Lounge. And uh, he said, you guys will be in that room and you'll be the only ones in there without a Big Ten championship ring in, in his time. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started pushing our team together a little bit. You know, because, uh, you know, we were trying to do the things for um, for those three seniors. You know, we was like, OK, let's let's get this thing going, you know. And as we started continuing to have a good year during the course of the season and eventually got there, the first round was right there in Indianapolis. Um, and so we got through that round and then eventually got to uh, Cincinnati and all the LSU players from Baton Rouge. I had played against a lot of those guys in the summertime. Of course, now I've, my 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 uh, antennas are up big time. Uh, one of the players on there, um, uh, his his uh, his dad coached in high school, the high school that I went to, McKinley. So of course, I had again my 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 antennas were up because I wanted to uh, prove to my high school coach why you cut me, and here I was, you know. So getting that chance to play against those guys and eventually beating them to go. Uh, but prior to that, when Coach Knight put on the board, he thought it would be Indiana, Syracuse, uh, North Carolina. Not knowing where the tournament would be, he right. felt that those were three of the better teams there that would have a chance. You know, on the outside, he was telling everyone that we weren't not a good team. You know, but he was just saying that I think you guys got a chance to be a good basketball team because you got the right mix. But he had named three of the, those teams that he felt would get to the Final Four that year. Wow. And um, and then all of a sudden here we were, and eventually beating LSU. Uh, there was a I can't remember the guy's name, but um, a point guard, and I tied him up for a jump ball. I don't know what I had the wherewithal to when I reached around him for a jump ball, and I had used um, unusual long arms for my size, and so I reached around him and grabbed the ball and forced a jump ball, and we got the possession. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were all trying to call a foul and say, oh, you, Dale Brown, was, you reached around him, but I never touched him. I, I don't know how I even thought about not doing that because I didn't pull the ball. I didn't pull him into me, but it worked out. We got the call, and then eventually uh, we took a shot. I think it might have been uh, Callaway that ended up tipping it in in Cincinnati in his home. Steve Arbor had a great first round in Indianapolis. Uh, Rick Callaway had a good tournament in, and had the uh, winning tip in. Uh, there in uh, Daryl Thomas shot an air ball. Rick Callaway caught it and tipped it in in Cincinnati, and that propelled us to the uh, Final Four. So now, you know, you you beat UNLV. You guys beat Providence. Here we go. We're going to throw it up for the national championship, right? Mm-hmm. Now, two years ago, before that, we played. There was no shot clock, and there was no three-point line. In your game, there's a shot clock and there's a three-point line. When did they put the three-point line in that year, or was it? Because yeah. I know they tested it the year before. It, it and what? Say that again, Keith. I'm it sorry. Came back that year. It yeah. came. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, yeah. and that that really helped you guys because Steve Alford was seven for ten from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he was deadly. I mean, I think that really propelled you guys in that game. You know, he was he was hot, man. I mean, that was a tough. That was a tough guard for those guys, you know. It could, yeah, that was all first half. All first yeah. half. Yeah, right. Half. Well, listen, Coach Beheim was a, was a, a pro's pro at, at making adjustments at halftime. He's always he's always had uh, he's always had that ability to make those adjustments and come back out in the second half and make changes. What types of adjustments did he make, Howard, at halftime? Do you recall? <laughs> <laughs> what he was saying the whole game get up on him and don't let him yeah, shoot get up on him right <laughs> that was part of the game plan not to let him shoot yeah. right uh so we had to get around those uh you know get around the screens and uh you know step out on him and push up on him and not let him uh get those shots and uh mm-hmm. and, it, and it worked the second half but you know keith took over so um yeah everybody work. covered him and you played a lot of man-to-man yeah. You know, yeah, Greg yeah. had him, Sherman oh, yeah. had him, yeah, definitely. You had him, Stevie yeah. Thompson had him. You know, you yeah. threw multiple different people at him. It was interesting to watch because a lot, I mean, a lot of pressure. Both teams played really solid defense, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man to man, a lot yeah. of block shots, a lot of a lot of fundamental 
handling screens, being in the right spot. It was fun to watch, actually, as a, as a player and a coach. I was like, this is a pretty damn good game. Mm-hmm. Well, so, really good. Well, you know, I have to mention, though, I think we went uh, – we were trying. I mean, that was the, the time of triangle and two, yeah. diamond and one, yeah. you know, oh, that, that really kind cool. of thing. And I think that's what we kind of threw at them the second half because I remember, uh, you know, Greg, you know, pretty much guarding them all the, the, right. the second half. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, – He ran off a lot of screens, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. You know, the other thing that was interesting to me is, you know, and I always look at the bigs, you know, being one myself. I mean, the big guys down low, I mean, you had Callaway and Garrett, Keith, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, say, uh, Syracuse had Carol Ronnie Tom. Cycli Carol and Tom, DC yeah. and Coleman. Mm-hmm. And Coleman was a freshman uh, that game. And, yeah. and Derek Brower also yeah. down low. But, you know, mm-hmm. that you guys couldn't keep, Coleman off the boards. I think he had like 19 or 20 rebounds yeah, or something. He was an animal on the boards. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. about talk about the play down low and how that affected the game, Keith. Well, well, you know, you you had the side plus you had I mean you had uh cycling, you know, controlling the paint as well. And uh yeah. you had you had just so much length and Howard, big guy, you know, you had uh, athletic Stevie Thompson. So you had all this length on that floor. Um, you know, and, and we played obviously we played the motion offense, so we were able to move, but Every shot that went up, Derek had made a decision that he was going to go after every rebound and give them second and third opportunities uh, for another possession. You know, um, you know, Dean did a great job, Daryl Thomas. Uh, so it was a bunch of big guys on that floor, you know, at that yeah. time. And, uh, and I was a, a good rebounding guard. Um, and so I had my share getting in there. Callaway was not at 100% because it hurt his knee. Uh, Steve Isle came off the bench and got in there as well and started to help, you know, but with having that kind of size, and I think, you know, early on when Steve was having his way, uh, when we started the season and the three-point line was back in, Steve couldn't come in to the paint to shoot a shot. Any shot that he took inside the paint, you know, coach would pull him out, pull him off the floor or, you know, or wouldn't count the basket. You know, he could curl in the game, he'll do those things, curl, cut, make a shot in the paint. But he wanted him to really focus on that three-point line, you know, being out there. And then obviously me coming down playing, I had to, my job was checking to see where he was. Because I know he would come off one side. If he wasn't there, I got to pay attention to him now going through to come off the other side. Uh, You know, so I think that was our strength of the motion offense that could negate some of the the size that they had. But obviously we just couldn't keep uh, Coleman off the glass. Good thing at that time uh, where his development was as a freshman, he wasn't a guy that got the offensive rebound and put it back in. Right. His focus was time, getting yeah. it and getting it out, you know, which now gave our defense a little bit more time to reset. But if he was the guy that, that he became later on with an offensive rebound, he was putting that ball back up on the glass. That would have been uh, more painful for us. That was the fun part of the game watching it. Now, Chuck, I know, I know you're in love with the bigs, right? I, I, we get listen. That. They're not. <laughs> they don't exist anymore. Sonny. It's it. like dinosaurs. You well, know? you know that's that's <laughs> what I was just gonna say. Like watching this game, there were physical bodies, high, low, cross mm-hmm. screens down for the bigs. Yeah. Now you got great guards, right? You got right. Keith. You've got Steve. You've got uh, Sherm. You've got um, gr- you know Money Monroe, and and yep. and. You've got great players on the floor, but there wasn't all this space and dribble drive. There was so much more movement and screening. and or, I mean, it really was a fun game to watch mm-hmm. and understand how they played it, you know. That's what that's what I enjoyed. But you're right about the big guys. And then Derek Brower had a great game off the bench. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, in the second half especially, he played great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the other thing, too, that people say about that game, Keith. You know, that was one of uh, Coach Nice's they say that that was one of his best games as a coach, the way he uh, handled you guys and handled all the changes and stuff. Did he do anything differently that you, you didn't do prior to the final four? Did he do anything differently in that game that made you the difference? Fa- you played a faster tempo on offense. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, the people didn't realize, because when we got, we, we, you know, we came to new Orleans uh, the day before, like a normal travel out day from school, arrived there the day before the game you had to be there for the media. So some of the other teams came there much earlier. We were still back in Bloomington and we saw all the guys in New Orleans. And I'm like, man, we should be out there. You know, <laughs> you saw some of the guys going out to eat, some of the guys, you know, hanging out. 
And, you know, me being from there, it would be more time for me to spend with the family. And Coach Knight just said, you know, we're not going out there. We're going to keep our normal routine of going to New Orleans for the Final Four. And, uh, and finally, we got out there. And, you know, now you're, you're, in, you're in that environment and you're trying to figure out, okay, we saw what UNLV said. They never played against a team that played as fast as us or press like we did. But we played against Iowa, and Iowa had this unbelievable press with Brad Lowhouse on the ball, pressing the first pass, everything, you know, in traffic. So we had experienced that part. And then we pushed the ball. Like when I played there, Coach Knight, he never said slow down. You know, my style was get a rebound, push it, get an outlet, push it. He never told me we're going to slow the ball down and get into our motion offense. You know, we, we, we still ran the floor. Callaway ran the floor. And obviously, you know, me pushing it, I can suck the defense in because I knew Steve was going to be trailing somewhere on that three-point line. So I think that surprised UNLV, the fact that we played that way and played fast like that. And then obviously Steve Isle coming off the bench was another runner, guy who can get up and down the floor. So I think that surprised UNLV, you know. And then we didn't get caught up in the uh, Freddie Banks and Armand Gilliam uh, scoring their points. You know, 30, both of them had one had 35, one had 32, you know. But I think our pace and wore them down as the game moved on and how we how we played. Uh, but one thing about Coach, when we got to the tournament, I mean, he pushed us really hard getting to the tournament. When we got in the tournament, didn't hear him. He was, I mean, very, very seldom was getting up and getting on us. He got on the referees or the telephone against the LSU, but never got against, not, uh, anything against us. He was very calm. We played Auburn and got down by 15 points uh, in the first half against Auburn in the first round. And he said, um, call the timeout. He said, look, if you guys want to play your way, you're going to get beat by 30 here tonight. If you want to play our way, Indiana way, we'll get back in the game by halftime and we'll beat them in the second half. And that's how he was speaking and communicating to us uh, in that, in that uh, when we got into the tournament, it was no different in the final four. Uh, he, he had the same approach. Now, I don't know, maybe he did that with the 81 team or teams that got into the tournament yeah. deep, but that's was kind of his thing with us. And I, I don't remember him yelling and screaming at any of us the way maybe he pushed us in during the course of the uh, regular season. You know, it's funny you said that because that's exactly how <laughs> Coach Mass handled the Final Four and the playoffs. Uh, it was all the yelling you could take up until we got in. Once right. we got in, you know, it was a little, it was different. He wasn't yelling at us as much as he was yelling at officials and, you know, things that were going on in the game, you know? All right. So take us, take us down the end now. Cause the, the freshman goes to the foul line, Derek Coleman goes to the foul line and, and is short hits the front of the rim, right? Ball comes down now. And the, the, now the, the play is set up. Was the play for you, Keith, or was it, did they, did they draw it up for you? No, cause see, we didn't have a timeout and we didn't call a timeout. And we play a motion offense, right? You know, and coach trusts us on the floor that we're going to make the right decision. You know, we're going to obviously going to pay attention to where Steve was on the floor. Uh, Callaway, he's in the game, who's a slasher to the basket. You know, obviously he wasn't in the game. He was hurt. Um, so he wasn't in there. Um, and then when things broke down, we would go inside, um, you know, to Daryl, first to Daryl, and then eventually to Dean if we had something there. But our offense started with, opportunity whatever happened the defense did we made the adjustment off of what the defense did and that's how it kind of went you know Steve had the incredible first half as you alluded to yeah and made a shot on the way out, out at halftime that was a beater yeah went straight to the to the locker room and in the second half when he took Steve out he was expecting me to get going because I only had four points in the first half and um so he thought I would get going Syracuse made the big run got the game on their side, momentum has shifted. And I never forget, I was throwing a pass to Daryl Thomas. He was on a curl cut and I threw the pass, but he got jammed up. And I threw the ball where I thought he was gonna eventually end up. And I let him with the pass and he goes out of bounds. Mm -hmm. I get taken out of the game. Mm -hmm. And all the coaches, hey, keep your head in the game, you're gonna get back in. Syracuse now is on this big run, they're making a run. You know, keep your head in the game, you're gonna get back in. All my teammates, and that's what coach did with us. He, he pushed us so hard during the season to push the team together. And so many of my uh, teammates, you know, communicated to me during, that, during that, my time on the bench. And I tell people this story that not many people know about this story. Coach called me to go back in the game. 
And I, he said, you ready to go back in? I said, uh, yes. And he's talking to me before I went to the scores table. He said, look, I'm giving you two minutes to go in the game and do something. If you haven't done anything in two minutes, I'm going to take you out the game. And if I take you out the game again, you're probably not going to play anymore. And if I don't play you, I'm probably not going to play you next year. And so I'm like. Wow. No pressure, though, Keith. Everybody <laughs> thought I was playing for a national championship. No, man, I was playing for my scholarship. Holy you know, cow. Come back to school next year, you know. Um, so as we started to play, I started to now make make plays once I got back into the basketball game and um, and started seeing. I mean, when I went back and looked at game film 15, 20 years later, I'm looking at all those little moments that I was on a break on one play and I think it was Greg Monroe behind me. Had he hit the ball from behind, it goes right into the hands of Coleman. They get that play. That, that play is, is not there. There was a play on the free throw line that I was able to get in there in between, get the rebound yeah. and then get yeah. up the floor and go pull up for a shot. They get that rebound is different. So all those little things, a pass that was made that kind of, I went on a backdoor cut, had that pass got deflected, it changes, you know, everything. So all those little bit of moments that went on in that game uh, that ended up putting us in that position. So the play was not, we didn't have a design play. I looked in uh, for everything, uh, what was taking place on the floor with Alfred moving. And then I went inside to Daryl Thomas. We had assistant coach named Ron Felling. And Ron, two words, two things that, that I still remember to this day with Ron. When your man got the ball, he would always be screaming, how'd he get it? How'd he get it? How'd he get it defensively? And then when you made a pass and you stood, he would always say, pass cut, pass cut, pass cut. Don't stand, don't stand. And then the other one was jump up, shoot up. You know, those were his double words that he would pass out most right. of the time. And so when I made that play and passed that ball into uh, to uh, Daryl Thomas on the block, uh, then I relocated. And I think, uh, you know, when the pass came back out, I had already relocated. And uh, just a small second, if had I stayed in that spot, Howard is right back on top of me. We don't get the shot off. You know, it's a whole different story. But I moved. And I think at that time, Howard was closing back on me. But I was already pretty much up into the shot. And I had just taken the shot from the other side of the floor. And I thought I didn't get enough lift on it. And then Ron Felling was like, jump up, shoot up, jump up, shoot up. And so I got, it, I got that shot the next time and I was able to jump up, shoot up. So Howard, talk to, talk to us about on, on the defensive side of this. What was, what was the, uh, who were you guys looking for to get the shot at the end of the game? I mean, you before, guys, it, were you looking I, for Steve? Yeah, hold on, before I go into that, you know, thanks for the insight, Keith, because I was always trying to figure out what happened to you the second half that you were playing two speeds above anyone else in the game. Right. Um, I mean, by the, I mean, you were jumping higher, you were faster. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just unbelievable as I reflect yeah. on that game. And, and we were, you know, whether it was you going up against Ronnie, getting, mm -hmm. uh, getting that uh, rebound, Right. And going up, jumping up, you know, you were spectacular as far as the mm -hmm. speed goes in, in that game and what we what we were trying to do. Because we were trying to focus, not going into your question, Chuck, yeah. we were trying to focus on um, on Steve and mm -hmm. not let him. So we were playing those various right. um, defenses like triangle and two and mm -hmm. uh, I think and diamond and one uh, somewhere in between there. Um, because I think those were the defenses at, at the time and then, you know, and playing man. But I think we, uh, I haven't looked at the game for a while, but I think we played like diamond yeah, one did. triangle and two, uh, a lot yeah. of the second half. Mm -hmm. and, and we were trying to control that. So we were packed in trying to, you know, not let the ball go inside and so forth. And, uh, you know, in the, um, uh, the scouting report was, you know, Keith is not going to take too many jump shots on outside. So he's not a jump shooter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were packed in and, you know, um, and you, you, you broke and you, you know, you, you elevated really well. I mean, you were quick. You, you were right on. I, I didn't see where you, where you went once I dove back in to help Ronnie and then come back out. Um, you had great lift. I was, you know, that was just a contest. Arm. Mm -hmm. There was no way I was going to get to that to that shot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was interesting because you go like the 2003 and, you know, the game that Syracuse win is in the same place yeah. at the same time. And, uh, and you get, you know, someone um, that can almost block that shot. Right. Um, and, and for some reason, the name, uh, it loses me. Sonny will remember mm-hmm. who, who I'm talking about. Long arm. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, you know, and then after that shot, um, I don't think we were sure if we had time out or not. Yeah. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you, because yeah, watching the game, it seemed like you guys went into like a little bit of a trance. The ball hit yeah, the floor. Yeah, we, well, we the clock we is ticking. And, yeah. and by the time somebody called timeout, now you lost two seconds. You only had one second to get the ball yeah. in bounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of looking, we looking around, and I'm like, you know, do I have a, you know, mm-hmm. do I have a timeout? You know, right. I, I, you know, I have to admit, I lost track of that um, because I was signaling, but I wasn't really sure. So I wasn't running to the official. Right. And no. uh, by the time we, we, you know, we called it, we had, you know, uh, the, the time went off and then all we had enough time was I think to when well, we threw it in the for sure to dribble down the court and you know and try to get a shot a shot off uh, wow. you know what I remember the most was coach Beheim took a ton of heat for having DC on the foul line with nobody there to help rebound offensively yeah. and I'll never forget coach Knight either in the press conference or the next day he said what the hell's wrong with you he did the exact right thing I'd have done the same thing. Totally backed him up. Yeah. And I, I do want to relate this to you, to you, Keith. When when I first time I met uh, Coach Knight, you guys were playing the North Carolina team in Atlanta, and we were playing Georgia Tech, I believe. And you know, you you you, you knew that you give Bobby Knight enough time, he can prepare, he can beat anybody. That's that was the mo, right? So. We had played the first game, but we had also seen the practice. And like you said, Coach Knight, he just sat on the chair. Guys did their thing. Assistant coaches worked with the bigs, the guards, and the, et cetera. And everybody's like, well, where's this yelling and screaming everybody's talking about? So, uh, you know, we we lose to Georgia Tech, and I think it was my senior year. And and I remember sitting there, and, and I remember Coach Beheim's talk was maybe three seconds. It was like, stay if you want or leave if you want. That's it. <laughs> so, That's it. So, <laughs> right. And then down the hall and in steps Bobby Knight into our locker room, never met me, never met. And he, and he had probably one of the best speeches I remember. And it was personal and it was, you know, listen, as, I just think his respect for anybody who's ever competed mm-hmm. was off the charts. If you were a reporter and you weren't an athlete, he didn't have any time for you. Mm-hmm. But if you competed at any level, walk on, you name it, he respected you as a person. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was a great memory for me. So to your point, though, he was sitting down for most of that game. With his Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola was <laughs> that line, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, it, 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 it you know, the, the moments and that memory of all of that, you know, obviously to play at home and be right there in the middle of it. And I had this dream, man, when I was back in junior college. You know, we, we would always, at the end of, um, on the playground, we would shoot a shot drifting out of bounds you know when we finished playing that evening starting to get dark everyone had to make a shot going out of bounds because you know as you know in high school the cheerleaders were all on the baseline and so we always wanted to shoot a shot and fall off to the baseline and fall into the arms of the cheerleaders you know that was so that moment was had been rehearsed millions of times on the playgrounds in Baton Rouge you know and um, and I, the thing of, of it of of going through it and and seeing what happened and how it all transpired in our side it, it went our favor, um, you know, little bit of moments of of basketball it, the game can change, you know, and things can change pretty quickly, you know, when Coleman took the ball out, knowing that he was a lefty, but he threw the ball with his right hand. Threw the ball with his right hand. Yeah. His right hand. And so I'm playing my, my job in that defense there because we were in prevent was to kind of be a cornerback and I'm going to track where he's looking to throw the ball and I'm going to break on the ball, but I'm always going to stop with a little, little detail. You always stop when you're breaking on the ball. Cause we don't want you to collide with a guy. You stop two feet from him, you know? So that way, if the ball is long, you stop two feet, you get it. Or you run past him two feet. 
and now the ball is short and you have a chance to get it. But you never go intermingle, intermingle with him because a referee can make a, a call on that ball right there. So when Derek was throwing the ball in, I saw that I figured, okay, my, my uh, brothers play baseball and, you know, they always had a way of when they try to throw their, you know, the opposite hand, that ball would curve a lot, you know? So I figured that's what was going to happen when I saw that. Cause we went through the scouting reports. He's a lefty, he's a righty. He does this, does that. And when I saw him wind up to throw the ball with his right hand, I was in the right spot and I was able to intercept the ball because it was, it was long. And I ended up getting the basketball and actually threw the ball up in the stands. And I had no idea where my parents were sitting and it went about six seats above their heads. <laughs> and believe it or not, coach Knight got that ball back. He had someone go and find that ball and got it back from the fan who had caught that ball. Wow. I was wow. at that game. I was sitting on the, the retractable, the portable bleachers that had come in. I was on the very top, top row. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember looking over my shoulder, seeing those poor people in the third tier in the opposite end zone. I was right. like, how could you even see the game? Man, it was 65,000 people there. Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was a good game and it could have went to either either, either way. In that yeah, game. that game could have went either way multiple times. There was a run and then like a little fall off and, and there were steals. There were like you said, you know, Keith, you look back on it. There was a play where, where Sherm Douglas has a steal and he st- and he actually steps his foot on the out of bounds so that right. would have been a you know yeah. mm-hmm. and there's so many of those so things many. that happen on yeah. both sides you know it was, both ways great both you ways. know guys it was it was really two great conferences two great hall of fame coaches two great teams and one really really great game yeah. i want to thank both of you one. guys yeah. for being with us you know keith i appreciate you coming out and howard you know thanks for coming in and reminiscing with us about about the final four and the finals in 1987. It was a nice uh, ride you took, you guys took us on today. We really appreciate you coming out and spending time with Sonny and I on the Big East Rewind. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, you've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Sonny Sparrow and Chuck Everson. The Big East Rewind is produced and directed by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. You can catch us on YouTube. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe and also wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for Sonny or I, you can get us on biggiesrewind at gmail.com. Once again, thanks a lot and have a great night.